0: joseph stanley here with rooted 27 a podcast ministry of red house baptist church and uh, we have shama lord behind the camera and uh, he handles our recording and editing and things of that nature and uh, we're glad that you uh, decided to listen in today uh for this podcast um uh, as many of you may know if you've listened in the past we we base our uh show on colossians 2 7 which uh, speaks of us becoming uh, rooted in Jesus Christ, so that we're building our lives upon Him. And that happens in a variety of ways, uh, whether we're talking about a theological issue, an ethical or moral issue, or we're uh, staying uh, gospel-focused uh, through all of that. Uh, but we want you to be educated and you to be informed about what we're seeing today, what's happening around us. Uh, we also want to be aware of what we believe. And why we believe it and uh, to have the foundational truths uh, to go along with it so today i'm very excited uh, to be joined by a guest and and uh and here in the next couple of weeks we'll have a guest every week uh so i hope you'll come back and listen but today we're joined by nolan graham and uh, we're going to be discussing a lot uh with the pro-life movement um sanctity of life, and and what is the biblical foundation for why Christians uh, should hold to a pro-life position. Uh, This week, uh, being the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, uh, I thought it would be appropriate uh, for us as Christians to consider these matters as very sobering thought, and then to think about it in a biblical uh, way so we can develop our biblical worldview when it comes to subjects like abortion, life, death, and, and things of that nature, to see what the Scriptures teaches us. Oh, so, welcome, Nolan. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Well, just usually to start out, I like to ask people a little about themselves. So, tell us a little about how long you've been here at the church, what you what you do here, and just a little bit about your life.
1: Um, I've been here about nine years. Um, my wife and I moved here from Ohio to be close to to our daughter, to our family. All our children had moved away and uh, So we moved to Richmond, and uh, we've liked it a lot. We found Red House uh, within a matter of three months, I think. We kind of examined several churches and found this one to be the one where we felt comfortable, but most of all where at that time I thought um, there was good preaching, uh, good, solid preaching. That summer, Pastor Darren came and uh, uh, moved in next door to us, became our neighbor, uh, it, that didn't make me feel obligated to be part of the church, but it was kind of a bonus. So uh, I, I examined everything I could about him uh, uh, online and such as that when he came and uh, believed that he would be a good expository preacher and preach through the Word. We've not been disappointed by that. So that's why we joined the church and uh, kind of how we came here.
0: Okay. And you help out with
1: the Sunday school, is that correct? Or They tell me I'm the Sunday school director. I'm not entirely certain what that means, but uh, I I do whatever I can to help in terms of uh, assisting uh, others in ordering the literature, and that sort of thing, and working on making sure we have teachers and assistant teachers, all that. Uh, And we try to do some training. That's been interrupted a great deal during the COVID pandemic. But, uh, yes, I try to do those things.
0: I appreciate you being here at the church and helping out. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, Did you grow up in a Christian home? Was you a Christian saved at a young age?
1: Uh, I'm one of the most fortunate people on the planet (laughs) in terms of of that background. My my family, certainly they weren't wealthy or anything like that, very working class. Uh, But my parents really loved the Lord. Uh, They both knew Him and raised me. Uh, in the word and uh, just really saturated as a child with uh, the word and with uh, attending church and hearing good preaching and uh, I, I honestly do not know when i really received christ or became a christian it mm-hmm. was such an automatic process just suddenly i knew that that i did believe mm-hmm. and that i had asked him to be my savior that i believed i was saved and indwelt by the holy spirit and uh, uh, all through uh, school, um, grew up learning more and more of the Word and being in it. Um, my father died when I was 16, and uh, things changed a lot then. Yeah. I, I had to become more uh, responsible for myself and uh, still had a lot of help in the world, that's for sure. But I went off to college and uh, as a freshman. Before I, went to, before I went to campus, I had prayed for weeks that the Lord would uh, lead me to some some other Christians, some guys I could really fellowship with. I knew that I would need that. It was a big change for me. I came from a very small town, went to a city to go to a university. And my first day in the dormitory, moved in on a Sunday. A guy came walking down the hall that I knew. I had met in another church, and uh, I knew him. I knew that uh, he was a Christian and that I had at least one friend close. And before the day was out, he had introduced me to uh, a fellow named John Gwyn. Who was—he's uh, one of the genuine characters uh, in the world and a great lover of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he was involved with a group called the Navigators, and I got plugged into that group uh, as a Christian fellowship and Bible study. And they—they uh, they helped me develop the basics of the Christian life, having a quiet time every day and developing a prayer life, um, fellowshipping with other believers, getting plugged into a church, and witnessing. Uh, how to share your testimony, how to share your faith. Um, we used to go around campus uh, from door to door in all the dormitories, and uh, we called it cold turkey, uh, cold turkey evangelism, and uh, just go knocking on doors and saying, can I talk to you for a minute? You got a minute? I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. And, uh, of course, we had every reaction in the world. Sometimes you got cussed out. Sometimes you got the door slammed, <laughs> and uh, sometimes they asked you in. So uh, so the being a part of that group was really
0: an important part of your spiritual formation. Several
1: years of, of real fundamental discipleship training. And uh, th- that's marked the rest of my life. Uh, I have not fulfilled nearly as much of that as I wish I had. Life does sweep us along sometimes, and, uh, you know, working and family and uh, such as that, you, you can get uh, distracted by many things. I, I've always thought of myself as uh, very similar to Christian in uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Mm hmm. He's on a journey. He's on a narrow path, and it's easy to get distracted and step off the path, even just a little way. And the next thing you know, you've wasted time, you've you've gotten involved in things that are extraneous to the Christian life, uh, and that happens to us in small measure or large. I think all through life, but God is faithful, and uh, you know it's him, to it's him I depend on. It's Him I depend on to draw me back, and He always has. Uh, and like. Like Christian, I am looking forward to the day when I arrive at Journey's End, and uh, and I'm there with uh, the Lord in this celestial city.
0: Absolutely. So. <laughs> well, part of the reason I want you to come on was uh, I know you're involved with the pro-life movement to some degree. And uh, if you could tell us what uh, what you do in that movement right now and how you kind of got involved and interested.
1: Uh, currently, I'm president of the Madison County Right to Life Association. That's a local group affiliated with kentucky right to life larger larger group mm-hmm. and uh, also affiliated through them uh, with national right to life which is the largest um n- national group working for pro-life legislation and uh, uh for education for uh, compiling and distributing st- statistics uh, regarding abortion such as that just general information uh, for people so as as president of that group i tried to uh, uh, keep our group, um, to incite them to activity and uh, mm-hmm. to keep us moving. We maintain a billboard on uh, I-75 with a good pro-life message. It's seen by thousands every day. Um, there was an abortion facility in Lexington, and we felt uh, very good about having that bu- that billboard there because anyone traveling from parts South to Lexington for the purpose of an abortion would see that bill- billboard. That facility uh, gloriously has been closed. It's not there anymore. Unfortunately, there are two facilities in Louisville, and we're uh, actively engaged in in uh, trying to assist people there, sidewalk counseling, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, that's pretty much what we do here. Okay.
0: Uh, what uh, tell us the significance of January twenty second, nineteen seventy three.
1: Well, at the time it had occurred, uh, I certainly was unaware of it, not paying much attention, as I believe most Christians were. We were mostly asleep. There were some who were, who were awake. It's little known, but Louisville, right to life, was actually founded the year before Roe v. Wade. Some people saw it coming. Uh, but most of us were kind of asleep. Abortion's a terrible, dreadful thing. We didn't want to know about it, didn't want to hear about it, didn't think it concerned us. Uh, And I certainly felt that way. Uh, In the mid-'80s, it was that long, um, I suddenly became aware of this through uh, a pastor of a church. Uh, We had moved and joined another church, and Mm -hmm. this pastor was very mindful of these things. And um, I saw a film called The Silent Scream. I've only seen it once. I'll never need to watch it again because it is – Very graphic depiction of the product of abortion and uh, what happens to these uh, innocent children when they're plucked from the womb and uh, uh, destroyed in various ways. That convinced me that this was something that a Christian just could not overlook. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going on and people don't know about it. We need to do something. Um, A few years after that, we uh, moved to Ohio and... uh, pretty quickly got involved with the uh, right to life group in that little town and I've been a part of that ever since my wife and I both so.
0: give us some statistics uh, <laughs> concerning uh, abortion is concerning those things right now since uh, 1973
1: to now well the main thing is just to realize that uh, abortion is the status quo it, it is the current situation, and it goes on all the time, very routinely, uh, without much notice by most people. Um, we have now, legally in this country, since since that date, the decision of Roe v. Wade uh, legalized abortion throughout the country. We have killed over 61 million babies. Wow. It has averaged just about a million a year. It was a good deal more than that for a long time. In recent years, it has fallen somewhat below a million. These, these numbers, by the way, come from the Guttmacher Institute, which is actually an affiliate of Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider in the country. So there's not much reason to doubt that those those are at least the numbers. They may be more. Um, I don't know that it would be of to advantage of them to over-report or under-report mm-hmm. too much, but... Uh at any rate, those who are involved in providing abortions are the ones who c- compile these these numbers. So
0: I think it's interesting, I don't you may be aware of this, but a pamphlet produced by Planned Parenthood in the sixties listed abortion as being murder of a child. And I, I read that the other day in a uh, mm. book on ethics, and then that shifted so much <laughs> years oh, down the yes. road. Uh changed uh I want to kind of get a biblical foundation, though, of why Christians should be pro-life, because, I mean, there are some Mm -hmm. people who go around saying they're Christians, but they're pro-choice, and it really kind of seems absurd to me, personally. But give us a reason why, uh, what the Bible teaches about life, Mm -hmm. why it should be valued, why we say it's sacred, and and, um, why we should support organizations like Right to Life and uh, things of that nature as Christians.
1: Well, yeah, it's certainly true that many who uh, claim the name of Christ believe that abortion should be uh, legal. Um, I think many of them are uh, not truly believers. I don't think they're biblical Mm -hmm. Christians, but I certainly couldn't exclude that as a possibility. Um, People have different opinions for so many reasons. Uh, The... uh, Wealth, health or welfare of the mother is often the major concern to them. Um, Unfortunately, often people are very staunchly pro-life until a young woman in their own family has an unwanted pregnancy. And then often they suddenly change their mind. And that's unfortunate. Principles are not something to be uh, shed just because of a personal situation, I don't think. Kind of turns kind of uh, hypocritical. Yeah, they can. They can that's. It, I mean, that's easy to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe harder to do. Nonetheless, we either believe the Bible or we don't. Mm-hmm. We understand what it says or we have misunderstood it. So to change a position like that to me is a very serious, very serious thing. Uh, there are some uh, several passages that form kind of a basis for uh, um, having a. a a uh, pro-life worldview. Psalm 139 is often quoted there, verses 11 and 12. God, you know, it's interesting. In 139, uh, 11, it says that God sees in the dark. And I was reading that uh, just last night, and it occurred to me that that means God sees in the womb, too. Mm He certainly does. God can see in the dark. Uh, Verse 13 says that He forms our inward hearts. He's responsible for constructing us, for creating us the way we are. And verse 14 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What a great statement by the psalmist. That's It's, it's true. Fearfully made. We are, we are made in such a way that it ought to have us be in awe of our Creator because of the way He does things. You know, in Exodus uh, 117, you have the story of the Hebrew midwives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an interesting Example of people who, uh, it, it, it says that the midwives feared God, and so they would not obey Pharaoh and abort the uh, uh, Hebrew children. They feared God. They value what
0: God said over man.
1: And Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So wisdom leads you to value life. And then back to Psalm 139, verse 14, talks about giving thanks for life. What a wonderful gift. What a, What a marvelous thing God has done to give us life. Uh, it, you know, it it is something to be really. So even if the situation
0: for. is an ideal or as a result of sin, we can still be thankful for the life that's in the womb. Yes, regardless. life is
1: life. It's a gift, mm-hmm. and not something to be uh, spurned or uh, or wasted. That's one of the things personally that bothers me so about uh, the idea of abortion is it, it's it's so wasteful. It wastes potential. The potential of life is tremendous. The value of an individual is, is tremendous. Jesus died for each of us individually. God valued us that much. He, God made each of us individually. That's a, that's a marvelous thing, the worth of, a, of an individual person. I think the real foundation of a pro-life attitude, though, is uh, right in the beginning, Genesis 1:26 and 27, uh, God made us in his own image. We are more like him than any other creature. We were made to represent God It's what being made in his image really means. That's why life is sacred. God made us to to be a picture of himself on earth. Uh, that
0: life is destroyed. We're, we're removing
1: God's it, It's image. an insult to God. Yeah. It really is. Um, we're
0: saying God got it
1: wrong. Yes, yes. This life is not worth living, uh, so I'm going to destroy it, whether that's my own life through suicide or uh, the life of a parent through euthanasia uh, or the life of a child through abortion. That's wasting uh, a life. Genesis 9-6 says that uh, murder, the intentional killing of a person, uh, is deserving of death itself. It's the only thing in the Bible that's mentioned that way. Uh, Societies in the world have sometimes... Levy the death penalty for other things besides uh, murder. But in the Bible, that's the one thing, the only thing, that would be deserving of death. And I think that just shows the value God places upon it and the, and the deterrent effect he wants to to have uh, by that.
0: You know, I think it's uh, interesting. I was reading a book by Richard Land, and he wrote in there, I wrote it down here, there's no purposeless or meaningless life. No. There's, every life has a purpose. Every yes. life has a meaning. Whether it's the life that's in the womb or the elderly person who has Alzheimer's or doesn't know anything, each uh, life has a purpose. And I was also reading that um, in a book by Paul Copeland, I believe his name is, that life, anytime we see in scripture described uh, a baby who is in the womb, the word that is used there describing the baby, describing the infant that's in the womb, is not some other word describing Mm -hmm. it as something other than human. Is considered a person just as much as you or I are yes. considered considered yes. a per- person. Just like John the Baptist, when he's in the womb and he leaped uh, when Mary came, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit filled him, they thought of him as a person in, her, in uh, Elizabeth's womb. It wasn't that he was just some ball of tissue uh, there. Uh, so, you think it's important that we see that each person is created in the image of God. And then also see that that is a life in the womb. It's not just a blob of tissue, That is it's an actual person.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think God makes junk. Exactly. Uh, we are created with a purpose and given a life as a gift. And uh, how we use that may be very different from person to person. There are many stories of people uh, who, by the standards of the world, ought to have been aborted and never seen the light of day. Who then have gone on? Our pastor recently told a story about Beethoven mm-hmm. and his uh, uh, terrible family situation and his mother, who had uh, born children with horrible defects and all. And uh, then he came along late uh, today uh, in the world. One of the one of the greatest operatic singers to ever live is Andrea Bocelli, and uh, his mother was was strongly advised to have an abortion to not give him birth. Uh, She would not. She did deliver him. He was born blind, but he has, um, in in my view, maybe the best voice on the planet. Mm -hmm. Tremendous singer. So you you never know the, the actual value as we would measure it of a life. That means we certainly can't measure the value that life has to God because he's the creator. And he has a purpose for it. And whether it, the person gets a world, uh, an opportunity to be on a world stage like Andrea Bocelli, or they just live a very quiet, private life, they may have a great purpose that we don't know about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So to destroy that is uh, such a waste.
0: And who are we to determine what life is value and what life doesn't have value?
1: You know, certainly, someone, a child's
0: born with some type of disease or some type of illness or mental illness, just because we does, don't view that person as being, uh, you know, holding this great value in the world and they're going to accomplish all of these things, that doesn't mean they have any less value in the eyes of God.
1: No, at not all. at all.
0: Because God created them. Yeah. God knows exactly their needs. He knows exactly their problems. And He created them anyway and wants them to be a part of society. So we don't have a right as, as a people Who's also image bearers of God to go around saying, No, you don't deserve to live because you don't match what I think you should be.
1: Absolutely. You know, scripture also says that God is no respecter of persons. Now, that doesn't mean that he has no respect for mm-hmm. persons, <laughs> it means he does not respect one person over another. Exactly. He doesn't choose one instead of another for anything that has to do with that individual person. It's not their abilities or qualifications or their position or their birth or their race or their sex or anything else. God respects all people alike because we're, we're all human beings in his image.
0: How does that go into being pro-life or valuing life uh, from the womb to the tomb, as people say, you know, from the moment they're conceived to the moment they die, how can we create an attitude where we're valuing all life, whether it's, as we talked about, euthanasia earlier Mm -hmm. or anything of that nature?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, all these causes are of uh, of great concern. Um, Euthanasia certainly is a growing thing in the world, uh, legalized in many countries. About six states or so in in America have uh, these kinds of plans to allow a person to um, be assisted in dying, basically. Uh, it's kind of like looking through the other end of the telescope. Uh, it, if we don't know the value of an unborn child, and we're taking uh, a responsibility of God's on ourself if we destroy that life, well, on the other end, we don't know the purpose of the end of a person's life either. Mm-hmm. Um now, I'm not talking about things like the relief of pain. I don't think there's any need to allow a person to suffer if relief of pain is available. But to artificially terminate that life is, again, to play God, to take mm-hmm. God's role in our hands and to disrespect uh, the image of God in that in that person. Um, assisted suicide is even a good deal worse. That phenomenon has grown in some parts of the World a great deal where a person demands to have uh, what has been called radical autonomy. That is, I it's my life. I can do whatever I want with it. And if I'm just tired of living, or I think my life is not worthwhile, I should be allowed to kill myself, and that should be legal. I should get assistance from you know medical assistance or whatever I need. Um, again, this is just a, uh, is a very pernicious doctrine. It's just the idea that. Um, uh, that I am my own maker, my own master. Uh, the fundamental principle you always run into with the value of life is whether a person has a belief in God to start with. If there is any particle of fear of God, then that person's going to have some regard for life. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to have no regard for life, to feel that we're just our own, we you know we uh, we own ourselves and we can do what we want, is to deny that there is a God. Because it goes
0: back to our sin-fallen state people are in, where they, they want to be the God. It's like, go back to the garden. What was, was Adam exactly, and Eve's yeah. desire? They want to determine right and wrong. The devil tempted them, and they said, yeah, we want to yeah. be the ones who determine right and wrong. Not God. We want self-autonomy.
1: The, so, usurping the, the authority of God is exactly yeah. what it is.
0: And uh, I guess we need gospel transformation in our lives. People need, to begin with, to begin to change their hearts and minds, and then it should flow over to a biblical perspective on these matters. When that doesn't happen, then you got to question, Is someone Mm -hmm. really experienced conversion, or what's happened uh, in that area? I want to move on to, okay, we say we're Mm pro-life. You and I agree on that. But what can Christians do more than just simply stating, yeah, I support life, I'm against abortion? What can we do in the form of action?
1: Uh, Yeah, I gave some thought to that and uh, uh, made a little list. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, it, the first thing I think is uh, we do truly, and people always say this, uh, possibly because it sounds good, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely true. We need to be praying for an end to abortion, praying that the Lord will move to uphold His righteous standard in the world. Uh, why does He not do that instantly and end abortion um, why does he not end all sin? I mean, we, we do play a role here. We've been given uh, its latitude in our decisions and how we will live. And this is another one of them. Um, it doesn't mean that God is not offended by abortion. It doesn't mean he doesn't value those lives. It doesn't mean that at all. It means he wants us to do something. And praying and, and striving with God. Toward this end is is just, a, I think, a natural part of the Christian life. We pray for all things mm-hmm. and, um, and we expect that God hears our prayers. And I think the
0: prayer part is important because, like I said, we I say it all the time, but how often in my actual prayer life am I sitting there praying to God, Lord, end abortion in America and across the world even? Yes. When do we actually consider that God can move in that situation? And it's not just like yeah. it's never going to end, we're always going to be dealing with this. When we serve a God who's Powerful, all
1: powerful. If he if he can do it, yeah. Well, and uh, the timetable is obviously in God's hands. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could be a year, it could be a day, it could be a century, or a millennium. We don't we don't have control of that, but we're still responsible before God to uh, to pray for His kingdom to come, for His will to be done on earth. Uh, second thing we can do, very fundamental, important thing, is to give. Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, mm-hmm. Our Pregnancy Help Center in town does a tremendous job of assisting women who may be in danger of uh, uh, of having an abortion because of distress during the pregnancy, because it's an unwanted, unplanned uh, child, any number of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that center offers great material and emotional and spiritual comfort, and support for those women. And in after the baby is delivered, they still are of assistance to them. So that's another thing is to uh, put some money into these things. Madison County Right to Life has various projects or billboard project. We do need funds for that. Uh, the state and national Right to Life organizations also are uh, uh, only funded by uh, donations, dues, and such as that for people that belong. Another thing to do is to watch the uh, KBC. Uh, watch our uh, our local association for opportunities. They have something they're they're working on now called Friends of Life Kentucky, and I, I don't have the details yet, but I'm okay. excited to hear what the, what all they want to do. I'm sure that it will be a very prayer oriented effort, but that's something to be aware of. Be informed. Pay attention to the news. Now, many of us, many of my friends here in the church. In my opinion, pay far too much attention to the news. They're they're too saturated. <laughs> it can in easily the happen, news. yeah. And it gets depressing. But don't put your head in the sand either. Uh, be aware of what's going on. We should all be aware of He's the wisdom, bills yeah. that are in the legislature right now in Kentucky and, and, uh, and lend our support where we can. Voting pro-life is an essential thing to do. Vote for candidates that will support life. Uh, I took a vow myself over 20 years ago. I would never, ever vote for a person who supports abortion. Uh, If the day comes when there are no candidates that are pro-life, then uh, I'll be done with voting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate to say that, but if that day ever comes, I will feel that the major issue uh, in life, which is life, will have been so compromised that there's no point. As long as there is a a candidate available, that's who I will vote for. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important. Last but not least, there are some other activities that occur in our community. We have a national prayer chain event every October. Uh, attend those things. You know That's one way to stand up and be counted. And there are other times, uh, walks for life in various cities. They have one in, a couple of them in Lexington every year. These are things we can do to stand up and be counted. One of the best things to do is not available this year. I'm very disappointed, but it's because of COVID-19. Uh, on or as near as possible to the date of uh, the Roe v. Wade decision, January 22nd,
0: mm-hmm.
1: every year since 1973, there has been a national march in Washington. Um, been there several times. Tens upon tens of thousands of people march in the street. You don't see much on the normal newscasts, the regular newscasts, so you would know it happens. But that event is a signal event because – the city of Washington cannot ignore the fact that there are thousands of people willing to travel from every state in the Union, even Hawaii. I mean, they come from everywhere. Wow. To march in the street and say, I believe in life. I believe abortion is wrong. And uh, they march down Constitution Avenue and end up at the Supreme Court headquarters uh, right in front of uh, uh, where the su- Supreme Court meets for its deliberations mm-hmm. uh, every year. That's a great event to attend. It's very encouraging. People of all ages, from uh, old folks in uh, wheelchairs to uh, babies in strollers and everything in between. Many, many young people, teenagers by the thousands. Um, It's great to see them. Uh, That's a great event to attend. Um, It's going to be a virtual event this year. There will be some speakers who speak publicly. There won't be much of a crowd. And I don't think there will be any march in the street. Mm -hmm. So that's That's too bad, but um, hopefully that event will occur again in the future if it's needed, unless we can end abortion and never need to march again.
0: Definitely. Something I made a habit of doing probably when I was 16, and I still try to do it from time to time. If there is a pro-life legislation uh, in Kentucky, say, for instance, find out who your local legislator is and send them an email, not harassing them to Mm -hmm. vote for something, but voicing your opinion to say, hey, I support this, and I've did that with... Democratic le- legislators and Republican. Mm-hmm. Some of them are really receptive to my views and some of them aren't. Either way, I think it's important as people part of a community to be aware who your legislators are, your congresspeople, your local representatives, Absolutely. senators, and then send them. A, it's very simple to go online. You can find their email address, send them, voice your opinion, just a couple sentences or write them a letter mm-hmm. just to let them know as people uh, of their community, of their uh, you know their local district. How you feel about that issue, and that as Christians we sh- uh, should be supporting life. So that's something I made a habit of doing for a while now. That's great. And I uh, would encourage other people to do that as well. Be aware of who who you, who uh, works in the capital. Yes. And then be able to contact them.
1: There's a very as easy well. way to do that. Uh, there's an organization called the Family Foundation of Kentucky, headed by a man named Kent Ostrander. He's spoken in our church. That organization is available online on Facebook, um, um, probably Twitter, and other uh, yeah. I get their email updates regularly. But if you if you get if you like them on Facebook, for Mm -hmm. instance, you will get their bulletins, and they will tell you when when something needs to be called about. If there's a pro-life piece of legislation, they'll call they'll send you a message and tell you call the uh, call your representative. Call the uh, committee chairman, whatever committee that piece of legislation is in, uh, and the uh, speaker of the house, if necessary, whoever they need to contact, they'll, and they'll give you the, their numbers, and uh, it, they'll make it very easy, and we'll keep you updated. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. I try to rely on them, and whenever he sends a bulletin, then I know I need to make a call. Yeah. So
0: I think that's a good idea, and I think it's also good um, if we we know the, the legal side of the legislator. We stay involved in that, and then we also promote life in general in a daily life that um, not that we're voicing our opinion being harsh to everybody we encounter but we have an attitude where we support life so that people can it can change the culture in general because they can ban abortion but if if America half the people in America still supporting it we're going to run into a lot of trouble so be good if we've seen uh, the gospel still being promoted, people being saved, hearts and mind being changed where they're believing a biblical worldview when it comes to uh, moral issues and life issues uh, in general. Is there any uh, closing thoughts you have?
1: Well, I just would second what you're saying. I've had it impressed on me a couple of times here just in recent days that um, abortion will never change just because we change the laws. hmm and it won't change uh, because we run Planned Parenthood or other abortion clinics out of business. It'll only change if we if we see hearts change, and as far as I can see, the only way hearts really ever change is through the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we we can use it. There's an organization called. Uh, I'm not going to remember the name now, but it's a Louisville organization uh, headed up by a fellow who was at uh, Southern Seminary that is committed to that very thing. Uh, And that's using the, the gospel as a means to reach people and talk to them about life and vice versa. Their motto, I think, is along the lines of it would be a tragedy to persuade a woman not to have an abortion and never share the gospel with her. If she never became a Christian, that would have been such a lost opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's quite true. So,
0: yeah, well, we appreciate you coming on today and we'll, well be praying you. for your uh, the organization you're a part of. And we can be praying about these issues in the day ahead. <laughs> and uh, we thank you for listening uh, today. And I would also encourage you to be praying about. Uh, this issue as no one has mentioned and just thinking of keep our minds focused upon the Lord in the days ahead we don't know what the future will bring in our country but we do know that God is still in control as Christians so we can keep our minds focused upon him uh, if you ever have any questions for us you can go to our Facebook page and uh, comment there or send message us a question and we'll be happy to answer it uh, you can also subscribe to our Apple podcast channel at root at 27. We have on YouTube as well. And if you have more uh, want more information about our church, you can go to redhousebc.com. Thank you.
1: Thanks again for watching. You can connect with us via our website at redhousebc.com or connect with us on social media by searching for Rooted27, or you can also subscribe by searching D House Media RHBC on YouTube. Subscribe now.